Hey everybody, welcome to Crag Gals, the show where we are gals talking about crags. My name is Carolyn, and I'm with my co-host, Emma. Emma, how are you doing today? Hello, Carolyn. I'm doing great. Had two exams today. think they went well. How about yeah. you? I thought my mom was going to be coming into town today, and then she's sick. Somehow Aww. she can't. Um, but I cleaned my room. It's That's always good to have a clean room. That, this is true. This is true. I need to clean my room. Um, Emma, what is our spontaneous fun fact for today? So today we're going to talk about our favorite book. Okay. Carolyn, do you have a favorite book either from now, one that you're reading, or anything from childhood that you like? Um... I well the favorite my favorite book that I've most re- recently read um was probably uh the second book of the Wave series I think it's called like the Last Star or whatever I really enjoyed that book I don't think I've heard of that what is the Wave you series You know what the Wave series is like the oh no sorry the, the fifth wave the fifth wave Oh the series. fifth wave I have heard yeah. of that I've heard yeah. of that Yeah so the fifth wave series um so it's the second book of that and it was really enjoyable I liked I liked what the author did in terms of like hiding characters and stuff and nice. i'm a person who like takes lots of annotations in my mm-hmm, books yep. and so like every other page was just either like me yelling at the characters <laughs> in like <my laughs> annotations or like just wondering what the heck is going on yeah and, like writing it down as such what about yeah. you what's your favorite book so one of my favorite books and one that i'm I'm actually reading it right now i'm not done it yet but i've really really liked it it's called braiding sweetgrass mm-hmm. um it's by an author named robin kimmerer okay um she is a native american woman who mm-hmm. basically writes about how native american cultures treat the land and you know mm-hmm. treat um the land as as being something that gives them a lot right and in return we we have to give back to the land yeah um and i don't know she just has a very beautiful writing style and she talks a lot about environmental conservation and she incorporates a lot of biology and science into the book nice. which i love to learn about mm-hmm. um and yeah i think she just has a very cool mindset on how we should treat the earth and in return the earth will give us back some good things but mm-hmm. we need to we need to be stewards of it and so i've just really enjoyed reading it for that reason nice are you like a non-fiction or fiction person generally non-fiction okay. i find that i tend to buy books for like pleasure reading to be either scientific or documentary based or okay. mm-hmm. you know what i mean um so i don't know why that is i think i just like to learn new things mm-hmm. um but i do like the occasional fiction book for sure yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fiction nerd, um, although I am taking a creative nonfiction writing class this semester. Oh, cool. So. <laughs> Sounds like it's going good. <laughs> it, is, it is going good. I really do enjoy it. Okay, it's good. It's a completely different style than what I'm oh, used to. Oh, I'm sure, to. yeah. So, but yeah, I really do enjoy it. So, yeah. Sweet. Um, now that we're done with that, on to our climbing news. So, Emma, what is your section, section yeah. climbing news? So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about something that I saw on uh, Instagram today from climbing, um, climbing.com, and it is that a climber named Seb Bouin, uh, a French climber, has just established the hardest route in America, and it Ooh. is currently graded as a 515C. Okay. So the route itself is called Supreme Jumbo Love. Um, and it is a an extension to Chris Sharma's Jumbo Love route that he put up. Yep, yep. Um, and at the time, that route was the first 15B. Um, but I think, from what I understand, this climb kind of adds about 65 feet of really difficult climbing that makes the grade now 15C. 
Gotcha. So I just thought that was really interesting. The The whole route in general is about 230 feet, um, which is pretty that's long like, almost like a multi it is it is it is a, a long how long, a long is route that, in meters? Um, that must be like at least like almost 70 meters i mean indoor gym walls are like what 50 feet 40 feet yeah and the then, wall at climbed knee is 10 meters 15 meters okay so i guess i mean if you're rounding it's roughly four and a half or five climbed knee climbing walls tall which is like kind of long and like maybe for outdoors that's that's usual but how much how many uh meters did you say it was 230 feet is what it says oh 230 i put 260 so yeah that's 70 meters so like if you buy a 70 meter rope at climb Nittany, you're down to like the last the last bit of it yeah totally Damn. um but i mean this climb looks very cool i mean mm-hmm. anything that chris sharma created or set up in the first place is going to be kind of wild yeah because chris sharma it was kind of like the big climber in 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 the early 2000s who was you know setting up all these these massive climbs um so i think it's really cool that another climber was able to come along and add to the route to make even better and then send it you know definitely i 100 percent agree with that um so yeah awesome nice little 515 route yeah, five fifteen. Where is it? Five fifteen C. Um, that's a good question. Nevada. Let's see here. It's in the U.S. It's somewhere. Well, the U.S. is very big. Um, Nevada, Clark Mountain, Nevada. Interesting. Okay, well, you there, say, there you go. Do you say Nevada or Nevada? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. I remember one time. Nevada, Nevada, Nevada. I say Nevada. Nevada yeah, I remember one time I was at a um. I was in marching band and we went to Arizona one year for the, for one of the fucking bowls or whatever, for one of like the football, the college yeah. football bowls. And, um, and then we went, we met this other band that was like next to us from Nevada and they're like, how do you guys say our state? And we were like, Nevada. And they're like, you're wrong. It's Nevada. I oh, wow. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like Appalachian versus Appalachian. That's true. Do you see Appalachian or Appalachian? Appalachian. I say Appalachian. But everyone from the South says Appalachian. I say Appalachian. Yeah, no. <laughs> Just like, no. This, uh-uh. No. It's the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Moving on to our next news segment. Yeah. What do you have for us, Carolyn? So, the news story that we're covering this week is about an eight-year-old and his dad, um, Sam Adventure Baker, um, is the youngest person now to, quote, climb El Cap. And we're going to be talking about the controversy that kind of like surrounds wow. um, Sam, essentially, in this. Okay. So what happened was um, Sam Baker is an eight-year-old from Colorado who set out to attempt um, a climb of El Capitan last Monday. Um and Joe and Sam appeared on multiple news talk shows like CNN, Good Morning America, The Today Show, um, and a couple, you know, early morning talk shows that, you know, people around, you know, the United States listen to. Um, and so they, they're talking there. There's been a lot of media presence um, around these two about this father and son um, who are going to go climb El Cap. And um, accordingly, or apparently, Sam has been climbing since the age of three. Um, and even before this, he's already summited a couple big walls. Um, one of the most notable ones being he climbed up, oh man, the 5'6 Flaretron Boulder in Colorado. 
Um, he climbed the Fairview, the Fairview Dome in Yosemite Park. He has a fair amount of experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's done. He's his whole life. He's been climbing essentially. Um, and so um, his whole life of eight years. His whole life of eight years. <laughs> so, um, so apparently, Sam and his dad have been wanting to climb El Cap for a while. Um, and there's do you even, know if his dad had climbed El Cap his before? Dad, no, his dad had never climbed El oh, Cap okay, before. Okay, his dad has been a climber. Um, and that's actually how his how Joe and Anne, the mother, that's how they met. They they went oh, climbing okay. in college or whatever. Um, and then you know they got. They got together from a climbing trip, essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So they want to climb El Cap. So they spend a year training in their little house. Um. They have like a nice little house set up, and you and I saw the video. Mm-hmm. We'll link it in our um show notes for this episode. But basically, you can see, you know, Sam, um, practicing his knot tying, practicing, you know, how to properly repel, how to, you know, campus. I guess. Yeah. The video to me was kind of like a little montage like mm-hmm. you know in movies like let's say like like think of rocky right yeah. like before rocky's big like boxing fight he would like be training and like run through the russian like winter you know and like doing all this stuff like that's what the video kind of reminded yeah. me of it's almost like a like a pre-ritual like workout like mm-hmm. get ready to do something big video which is yeah. funny because the kid is eight yeah right yeah i mean like that's super great for him he knows how to do all of this but just the the way I I took it was it was it, it kind of reminded me of the Rocky movie almost, which <laughs> yeah. is funny. Um so yeah, they 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 practice all their stuff and there has kind of been a media presence of like, is this people questioning, um, you know, is this safe for Sam? Does he want to do it? Um obviously you and I know and will always continue to reaffirm that climbing is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um nothing about climbing is ever safe. There's a lot of risk management that goes on. Um but basically Joe's answer was kind of almost the same. Um you know, a lot of uh Sam's training did include him getting used to the ropes and quote like from one of the videos that, you know, to help them fe- to help him feel like he's safe. Um, end quote. But, you know, they ended up, um, the the bakers and then two other climbers ended up climbing El Cap um, from Monday through Wednesday. And so after that, um, Joe basically posted on on Instagram, or not Instagram, on Facebook saying that he's very proud of his son, um, that, you know, he was the first person to climb, or the officially the youngest person to climb El Capitan. Um, and that's when you cue in a nice man um, who started calling out a lot of the stuff that the um yeah i was gonna say so what what Mm -hmm. is the controversy around all of this sure sure so basically there's this guy in yosemite named tom evans he's a retired teacher and he spends almost 90 percent of his time photographing people who are going up el capitan interesting um does he make money off of that i don't know i think he's just one of those like guys who just like you know how there's like those those urban legends of people yeah who just, just like, like a dirt bag that yeah just like a yeah, dirt yeah. bag yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so his name is tom evans and um he you know basically like, you know records and photographs people going up ocap um and he reported to um the san francisco chronicle and the los angeles times that he did not once see um joe or sam even touch the rock um wow yeah so- um yeah, would do they just what like a, like a send the rope or something? Essentially, so oh, this wow. is this is not unusual in in mm-hmm. El Cap. We should say um, there is a thing called aid climbing, mm-hmm. and this is how a large majority of people summit El Cap. Yeah, and it's how it's how climbing was done mainly in the seventies as well. Be- Correct. Before good sport 
uh, climbing gear had had come about. Yeah, pretty much. It was how you know, it was probably the like best way to do it for sure. Yeah, um, because El Cap is so dangerous. I think I read um, a statistic like a while ago saying that El Cap is responsible for killing about a hundred climbers a year. Oh wow. Um, I have to re- recheck that, but um, you know, El Cap is dangerous, and um, you know, it's it's no, it's a very very large feat. Um, and one of the reasons why it takes so long, even today, for climbers to ascend it, um, it to ascend to send it is um, because they use this method of aid climbing, where you basically have a tool called an ascender that basically grips the rope as you go up, and you have these little like almost ladder things connected to your harness, and you basically push yourself up with a foot as you you know send as you like push your arm up to go up with the ascender and then push up with the other foot to actually pull you up. Mm-hmm. So you're essentially pulling yourself up a fixed line. This is called aid climbing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so basically that's what Tom Evans um, claims that um, that the bakers did. And this was also affirmed by, you know, other kind of media sources where they basically say that, you know, Joe Baker and Sam Baker will be going up the mountain with two other guides um, or with two other people, with two others, that some that's that's what other articles quoted um, to help them on the trip. Um, there was speculation that these guides were illegally hired. That was not true. How um, do you illegally hire someone? Well, because in, in Yosemite you have oh, to. Oh, is there? That's right. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, that's been proven false already, I believe. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of pushback, especially from Tom Evans and the Yosemite climbing community, because especially before this. Tom, uh, Joe Baker did not really say that it would be a rope ascent to any of the mu- to any of the media. He basically said that it would be a climb. You know, hmm. Sam would be the first the sorry, I keep saying the first person, the youngest person to ever climb El Capitan. And he did not fix this um until he was called out on it by Evans. And then he said, "Well, obviously it, it's it's technically a rope ascent, but like no one ever calls it a rope ascent." Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. definitely an interesting gray area because mm-hmm. In one hand, I understand why he would rather, why the the dad Joe would would rather use you know aid and and climb with aid because yeah. it it minimizes risk more mm-hmm. so because I'm I'm not I'm not picturing like an eight year old being able to get up no yeah El Cap by rock climbing right mm-hmm. he's eight um and so I think the reason to use aid climbing was probably good so that yeah. it could be a, a successful trip but I, mm-hmm. I what I'm sensing is that the the climbing the Yosemite climbing community maybe feels a bit like they were misled in terms yeah, of what was happening. Definitely. Um, and it's not only that too, but like I also like, I was kind of like on the fence about this too, because it definitely felt like a lot of Joe's media presence was kind of to steer kind of that direction of like, you know, Sam is going to climb, Sam is going to climb, you know, in the videos that we watched earlier on, on the, on Sam's website, you know, cause Sam has a website, obviously. Um, yeah, Sam's obviously. <laughs> this eight-year-old has a website. Yeah, this eight-year-old <laughs> has a website. Um, but on Sam's website, like there's all these videos of him, like weed climbing, of learning to hmm. repel, like there's videos of him, like learning how to act, like climb, climb. Like he's not, he's, there's very little, there's very few instances in the videos where he's actually doing like rope ascending, okay, which would be fine. It's, it looks right, cool, which right? Which led people to believe that was what was going to happen on okay. Yeah. Um, so that's why um, Joe has been under so much um, kind of scrutiny, so much so that I think, I think he also um, eventually called Tom evil at one point. Whoa. Um, that's yeah. intense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. What are your thoughts, Emma? 
Yeah, I think I think overall, I mean, I, I can see both sides of the story. I think from the the dad's perspective, um, he has to respect the fact that there's a certain way to do things on the mm-hmm. mountain. Yeah. Um, and not that he did them wrong, right? Yeah. And from the perspective of of it was his name Tom, the other guy Tom Payne. Tom Payne? Tom Evans. Tom Evans. Mm-hmm. Who's Tom Payne? I don't know who Tom Payne is. I don't know who Tom Payne is. <laughs> Tom, Tom Evans. So sorry. <laughs> um, Tom Evans, I think, needs to understand that I don't think the intention behind giving away all the details or not giving away all the details was to make it seem like his kid did something, you know, better than actually what happened. And I, I, I don't think it was like an intentional cover up. And I think that's where they're disagreeing um, at the end of the day, it was probably better to do fixed lines because the kids yeah, ate definitely. and it would have made it, you know, it, it would have lowered the risk. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, at the same time, there is a, um, I guess an ethic around being honest in what you climb, um, especially for people who hardcore outdoor climb, because if you want to take credit for something, you have to ensure that you, that's what you did. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I mean, I like I said, I understand both perspectives, and I think it's it is interesting that it it kind of went down the way that it did. Yeah, I'm kind of in the camp of like I really like I I kind of agree that the fixed lines, if you are going to climb El Cap, would be a a, a good option. Um, you know, yeah. it's a better option, right? And I mean, aid climbing is not not rock climbing. No, yeah, like mm-hmm. that is was the only way to climb a mountain until like the mid seventies, right? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it is, they were rock climbing, mm-hmm. right? But because climbing has become what it has in the sport climbing world and the trad climbing world with, with all the gear we now have, mm-hmm. there, are, I guess, are different expectations around how to get up a mountain now. Yeah, you know what I mean? definitely. That, that were different from back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, aid climbing is a very legitimate way to climb. Part of me that though is like really upset about this is one, like the amount of publicity that Joe seems to be, you know, kind of like... Gain, like gaining around his mm-hmm. son wanting to climb and not only that but just kind of like not being more specific like i think you know this guy has claimed that he's been climbing for a really long time he has his um his amga as well oh wow okay. yeah so to kind of say that you know your son is going to climb el cap when you're really going to do a rope ascent and not mention that yeah, I seems think, a little bit off. I think he doesn't necessarily owe it to anyone to explain specifics, but at the same time, but he also there into- does seem to be a lot of, um, you know, publicity around this. Like yeah. the kid has his own website, right? Yeah. And like, not only that, but like the one of the main things that I f- found very odd in all of the interviews that he did with like the media was also like, oh, we're gonna go sleep on like the portal wedges, and you know, we're always gonna be like on harnesses, and like you know, we're gonna be rappelling and stuff. It's gonna be fun, like kind of went into like those little specifics um which i found kind of strange but it's, it's cool stuff to talk about either way mm-hmm. you know everybody loves talking about yeah. portal wedges <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah it's just the whole situation's fine is weird um and just kind of like to talk about um some of the quotes that i pulled from daily mail this one is not from the los angeles times that's what i mentioned earlier but this is from daily mail uh uk um, quote, to steal this away from Sam is such a sick thing. It's an evil thing because he ascended each foot of that wall, Baker told Daily Mail. Also, Tommy Caldwell kind of responded to this as well, saying, quote, theoretically, I could have put my son in a hall bag when he was one year old and gotten him up mm-hmm. there to claim a record. Um, so it's it's kind of one of those things where 
it's a lot of controversy right now, and there's a, con- a ton of other things that we can talk about that are just kind of weird. But overall, like that's that's the main gist, you know? Yeah. 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 I think it definitely. It was interesting to hear what Tommy Caldwell had to say, even yeah. though that was a short sentence. But I mean, I know he does take his family climbing a lot. Oh yeah. Um, that, you, you know, this is a good thing too. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the kid did ascend a rope, right? Yeah. Like, he's eight and he's doing that, however mm-hmm. many feet up off the ground. Um, while he didn't straight up free climb it, mm-hmm. um, he still got up it. So, yeah, I definitely. think, yeah, in, in, in my eyes, the stranger part of the story is more just the motives behind the parents, right? Yeah, definitely. So. I would 100% agree on you with yeah. that, which we can talk about another day. Yeah. But, yeah. Cool. Word. So, that's our climbing news. Um, also, there's going to be no weekly accident today just because um, we, we were kind of sick and tired to talk about death and that's all we could find. Well, it's funny because we don't even talk about death on this podcast, but I like I we're, we're running out of climbing accident stories. Yeah. And <laughs> and when you type in rock climbing accidents on Google, it's like this person died. Three fatal death avalanche <laughs> kills seven. And I'm like, I mean, I've said this before mm-hmm. and. I'm not ignoring the fact that death happens in climbing, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. it is a part of the sport. Unfortunately, it is yeah. not a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, but we know it happens, and there's no point in talking about it all the yeah, time. And exactly. so, because of that, we choose to not put any death-related stories in our podcast. But that is also why we have no climbing news <laughs> for today. <laughs> yeah. So. Unfortunately, we won't have that today. But we are going to talk about the. Um, oh shoot, we didn't have a, f- a food thing for our um, episode today. <laughs> Shit. Um, I went to Trader Joe's recently and I bought Scandinavian swimmers, which are like what the fuck are those? <laughs> <laughs> what? The it's fuck? like the Trader Joe's version of a Swedish fish, but it's like different sea life shapes. So like, there's a starfish and there's a dolphin and a turtle. This seems very marine. And a seahorse. This what is your minor? The seahorse is yellow. Marine science. Marine science. Yeah, yeah, this sounds very marine science of you. It's really good. I like all of them <laughs> except the green dolphin because it's made with like spirulina or something. What is that? It's like a plant powder. I think. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. So today, <laughs> our Scandinavian swimmer of the episode today, <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn. What are we talking about? We're talking, we're talking about our most impactful moments in climbing. Yeah, I think. Um, a good testament to why climbing is so important to us mm-hmm. is to reflect on our past and to and to look at, you know, what climbing has given us and who in the climbing community also have kind of helped us to develop into the people that we are and into the climbers that we are. So yeah, I just definitely. thought it would be cool to talk about that. And I would love to hear your stories. And Ooh. I have some fun ones to talk about as well. Yeah. All right. So first off, Emma, who was the most impactful person to you? During your climbing journey. So this one was hard for me to pick a very specific person because there are a lot of people Mm -hmm. in various stages of my life that I I could I could say, you know, how to hand in that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think looking at it from a pure skill developmental standpoint, um, my coworkers at my job and my boss have Mm -hmm. been very influential in helping me learn the skills needed to trip lead and to um to to go outdoors and mm-hmm. you know provide the lowest risk possible um i mean through through them being patient with me and mm-hmm. them teaching me how to do you know these these complex processes um yeah i i felt respected and heard and 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 on the, you know i i felt they understood that um 
you know, learning, learning these things and learning how to go outdoors and how to, how to build anchors and how to, you know, effectively lead people in the outdoors, Mm -hmm. um, is a process and it takes time and you need to have patience. And so I really respected them for having patience for me and learning it. And, um, they were just always in my corner, everyone that I work with. Um, and, um, you know, they were always in my corner about, you know, if I had messed something up or they would, you know, we'd be at the crag and they would walk me through specific steps on how to do something. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, in terms of just pure skill development, definitely my boss and the people at my mm-hmm. job, I would say. Nice. Awesome. How about you? Um, like very similarly to you, I would say that like, I never had too many specific people like that impacted me, like during my climbing journey, it would definitely be like you know, just like the community itself here, it's just kind of like left those little bits and mm-hmm. nuggets of knowledge. Yeah. Um, I'd have to say like the first person um, who's been most impactful to me would probably be JJ, like mm. our, our president. Yeah. Um, JJ and I kind of started climbing at around the same time with JJ starting roughly like six months before me. Yeah. Um, but even then still like had a huge exponential growth. And then once we obviously started hanging out more, um, with the climbing team and then of course like moving on to um, you know kind of be like the co-leaders in um, our little you know docuseries club called More Than a Lion um, you know we both helped each other out a lot during um, you know during that time you know and especially once I took my um, my leave of absence like he was still there with me like the whole time mm-hmm. like like always you know giving me beta or like always like giving me like little coaching tips um texting me you know you know checking in always yeah. you know, stuff like that like nice. just like being there yeah so yeah it, it's good to have people that that are like I said in your corner especially when when learning climbing because it is a very physically and mentally demanding mm-hmm. sport yeah. um and so you know I have found that the friendships and you know relationships right <laughs> the relationships. That, that I have created within climbing have been some of the, the strongest connections that I have with people yeah so I, I completely agree with what you say definitely um but yeah uh other than that what has been your most or do you want to go we're going to talk next about like what our most impactful moment was in climbing or is yeah I, I can go. do you want to go first sure want, well mine's kind of boring so. I don't know if I would. <laughs> you, you want to, you know what, you, you, this is your. This I think is, I'm going to go first. You got it. You go, Carolyn. You, you started typing this and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I obviously, you know, do work at the local climbing gym, Climb Nittany. Um, and this ha- was actually really recently. This was during the semester. Um, I'm 90% sure that this was after like, you know, my, my 30 hour work week my one 30 hour mm-hmm. work week so far this semester with them. Um, and I was like exhausted. Like I, I had exams to study for, I had a bunch of projects filing up. Um, and not only that, but I was signed up for a group later that day. Um, and groups can be anywhere between like five and 30 people. And is that, do you teach them things? What do you do for that? So for the groups necessarily, you don't teach. You just kind of say like, here's the gym. Here's gotcha, the high okay. ropes. I get to belay you here's how you don't kill each other i gotcha um so yeah and this was definitely a group of like 30 people um most of whom i realized were middle school age mm. so i was like mm, <laughs> wonderful uh, <laughs> so but thankfully i knew the people who were coming in so i was like okay this is this is gonna be good yeah um so i'm setting up like i'm setting up like kind of like a little you know captain's eyes on like the little um on like the ropes and stuff to be able to like belay them very easily and efficiently and like they're coming in they're like wow oh my gosh like you know they're they're looking around and um a lot of them are recording tiktoks 
Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I hear these, like, girls. Um, and the majority of the group, I think, was girls. I think it was, like, an all-girls group. Okay. Um, I hear these girls start, like, gossiping, like, around, like, the ropes in Spanish. And those who don't know me, I'm half Venezuelan. And I'm on my current 50-day streak of Duolingo as I'm in my <laughs> early 20s trying to relearn Spanish. Small tangent. We're camping. And... <laughs> Carolyn goes like this is like when I go camping this I, is illegal I, like no. I put my phone away like camping needs no electronics and we're sitting in the tent we're about to start a game of cards and Carolyn goes wait and she whips out her phone and she starts Duolingo she's like I can't lose my Duolingo streak I didn't want to lose my streak I was surprised I had service out in the middle of fuck <laughs> nowhere uh, anyway I just thought that was funny to, to mention you guys were all laughing at me too whenever I would get something right it was just funny it would like, um, like yeah anyway anyway <laughs> But I could understand like what they were saying. And one of them comes up to me. She's like, is it dangerous? I was like, poquito. These girls started laughing their ass <laughs> off. They didn't realize that I could understand that. So, um, yeah, it was a really good experience. Like, you know, we're talking to them. And a lot of them did speak pretty pretty good English, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um the only thing is, like, you know, a lot of them, you know, had, had only been in the U.S. for, like, a couple months, maybe a oh, few wow, years. Oh, wow, okay. So it was kind of um, an exchange program type thing. Not really, like, an exchange program. There's just people from, from the guy's school, you know. Oh, okay, like, this yeah. This is one of those, like, you know. Um, and also, like, the guy who um, brought these kids was offering extra credit for his class. Mm. So, like, a lot of them were like, I need my extra credit, you know. For sure. I'll go climb um, for extra credit. I'll go climb for extra credit, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I remember, like, a lot of them... You know, we're going up the ropes and like all of the friends are recording them and being like, you know, trying to like encourage them. And I remember like this one girl, like in particular, um, she went up and she was like scared and she was like, oh, I don't know what to do. And I was like, venga, venga, like go, go up the thing, mm-hmm. you know, come on. And all of the girls are like, whoa, <laughs> it was the best. Like, That's it was so one- funny. Yeah. And they said that because you're speaking Spanish. What do you mean? Like, like they were like, whoa, well, like because yeah, you could- because like who went, okay, here's the, the reason why this was like the most impactful thing, because like, especially in the United States, like how often do you see another Spanish climber? Yeah, fair. I don't yeah. really. The, the only other Spanish climber who like, I, I could also talk a lot about in terms of impactfulness was like my old, um, belaying partner, Andrea Varado, mm. um, who is a Mexican climber, mm. um, who's also a, uh, current master's student, um, getting her PhD in viola performance. Wow. And you know seeing like you know people who um are kind of very similar in terms of language to you that you don't really see here in the united states um is a really really cool opportunity and it's a really good um it just helps you like you know see yourself kind of in a way like it's it's a really good build for community and um it promotes like you know helping like marginalized communities in the United States, mm-hmm. start doing this really, really cool sport. Yeah, which is important. Yeah. So overall, like, it was just a really good, it was a really cool experience to be able to take my favorite sport um, and, you know, show it and encourage it and kind of, like, almost, like, coach these girls yeah. into, you know, climbing and help them, you know, go to the top of the wall and all of their friends, like, you know, yell and shout mm-hmm. for them. Even the ones who were, like, the most afraid, like, they still got halfway up the wall and they didn't think that they would make it that far. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, if you could give them advice, mm-hmm. just as someone who has had that experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, being... Venezuelan right half half, Mm -hmm. Venezuelan and you know not seeing other people Mm -hmm. from you know the Latino Latina community Mm -hmm. um have you how has your experience that been and if you were to give them any advice like what would you give them I mean like I 
I mean, as far as like, there's really only a couple like like you know Latin people like in mm-hmm. in the small comic community that we have here, um, mainly because Penn State, I believe, like the 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 tiniest you know um, marginalized group here is Hispanic and Hispanics and Latinos. Okay. Um, so you don't see unfortunately a lot of many here, and I've, I've seen a couple of them. Um, I work with a few at Climb Nittany. Um, but overall, like my biggest piece of advice would be like, you know, don't let that margin, you know, that marginalization, like, you know, turn you away from the sport. Yeah, of course. You know, like be, be the little like, you know, shining star that you want to be. Yeah, you know? that's good. Um, I understand it's really hard. And, um, you know, it is kind of lonely at times. Like, you know, when you hear one of my biggest quirks is like when people like start yelling in other, in other languages, like in that they don't speak in. Mm. So like you'll you don't think we don't hear it a lot at climb that but like you'll you'll hear it in other gyms where people make awe awe mm. or like gambara and i'm just like uh, cool i guess but <laughs> yeah. to hear like to hear all my other like you know latina friends being like venga venga that 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 puts a different energy in me yeah I'm one that i can that's really cool it's, it's empowering to yeah. know that you have 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 people who mm. share a background with you yeah right? and i also like sharing it with like my other friends too like i'll do it like with you and with jj as yeah. well um but yeah like be be that example and you know prom- you know if you're someone who's latin um who wants to promote the sport and who is like you know a little bit shy and you know you don't know how to do it um get involved at your local climbing gym start like you know a latin climb or something and just get to know people in your community and promote the sport so yeah yeah that's great advice mm-hmm. yeah that, that's really cool and i think you know even people who aren't you know, members of that community mm-hmm. can learn a lot from those who oh, yeah, are. And definitely. so I think, you know, just having a conversation with someone who's new or, you know, represents a culture that you don't yourself represent mm-hmm. is always a great thing to do, especially at the gym. Yeah, definitely. Sweet. What is your, what is your thing? So I'm going to talk about the time where I had an attempted summit of the Grand Teton. Woo! And I say attempted because I did not summit it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just some, I guess, background information on this. Um, I I was 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. I was a, a sophomore going into junior year of high school. And I came across this company called Moondance Adventures. Okay. Um, and so me getting on the Grand and climbing it, I was by no means... I had really no knowledge of what I was doing in general. It was it was kind of my first introduction to the outdoor world of climbing. And yeah. um, I followed every pitch that was set up, right? Like I did no lead climbing. Gotcha. And I, I was I was very much monitored by group leaders, right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, even even now having a ton more knowledge and trip leading myself, it is still one of the most impactful experiences that I've had. Yeah. Um just in climbing it in general. Um, so in order to summit the Grand, which is part of the Teton Mountain Range in yeah. Wyoming, um, you have to basically walk. Well, I'll say walk. You you walk about three, four miles uphill until you get to um, basically like a like a rock garden where you have mm-hmm. to scramble the, the remaining mileage up to this feature called the lower saddle. Okay. Um, and the lower saddle is kind of a little valley, like ridgeline mm-hmm. area that sits between the middle Teton and the Grand Teton. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the mountain guiding company that we that we did this experience with uh, was called Exa Mountain Guides. And so okay. Exa Mountain Guides has a little hut um, mm-hmm. on the lower saddle. It's called the Exum Hut. Um, and by the time you get to where you're going, it's sunset and you don't want to, you know, summit a mountain in the dark. So 
the goal is to get there, spend the night, and then get up very early the next morning to continue your your summit push. Um, And so... We started, um, I think around 10 a.m. on on that day, and it was a good, you know, seven miles all uphill, scrambling. Um, there were some, you know, snow and ice involved. We used um, crampons and ice axes to get oh, up wow. certain parts, yeah, so you, you know, fully climbed, tied right? in. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, I, you know, I, I wouldn't call it mixed climbing because mm-hmm. we didn't climb, we didn't ice climb, That's but true. we definitely mixed scrambled, I yeah. would say. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that seven miles was I think the most physically demanding thing I have ever done. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there is nothing that is compared to the way my legs felt the next day. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, however many hours passes, you know, it's we're we're 7 miles into the into the Tetons at this mm-hmm. point and we have finally made it to lower saddle. Um and that night, you know, I was starving and our, our, our trip leaders had packed us pizza and ramen and I like scarfed all that down and then ended up having <laughs> oh, altitude sickness. Yeah. And I was I like, remember you telling the story. Like, this is a whole, whole thing that, that would basically make summoning the next day, like worth all of it. Right. Yeah. Like it mm-hmm. was just, I was very looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go to sleep in the Exum hut and the next day our mountain guys wake us up at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. bright and early. Um, I shouldn't say bright and early because it was, was pitch say, black dark. Really it was bright. dark and early. <laughs> um, and the groups d- divided up so that there was um, two participants and one mountain guide. So there were groups of three that were heading up. Okay, gotcha. And we had, I think, 10 people. And then five guys. There, there are 15 yep. of us total, and there were like five miniature groups that would go up. And yeah. so my group was the second to last group to mm. start the ascent up. Um, and just for perspective, once you get to the lower saddle, there's about a thousand to a, a thousand and a half feet oh, of wow. vertical rock climbing that you still have to do yeah. to summit, right? Because mm-hmm. we're we're still on kind of like a ridge line in between mm-hmm. the peaks. Um, and so by the time you know it was time to you know, get moving and, and, and get going. It's, you know, it's about 3am at this point. And to get to the first part of our, of our pitch, um, of, of, of the, you know, vertical climbing, um, yep. you have to scramble to get to where you're going. Yeah. Um, and I just remember it being pitch black dark and I literally had no idea where I was going. Yeah. I was literally <laughs> blindly following the person in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all uphill, just you know another like in the moment like why am I doing this kind of thing like did you prepare at all like to to climb it or no this is just kind of like do you mean in terms of like training or anything yeah like did you no. like run did you hike no. I fully was like hey mom and dad can I sign up for this trip and they're like let's think about it and then they surprised me by like buying me a ticket on the trip and then damn um you know I was 16 so mm-hmm. I would have I've liked to think that my my youthful lungs helped me a little bit <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah and so you know I don't I don't have the time, the timing of all of this perfectly right in my in my mind. But by the time seven a.m. rolled around, the sun like finally started to rise above the horizon, and mm-hmm. I, I could see where we were. And you know, my first, my first overwhelming thought was that we are so high up. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is hard to describe what it feels like to be that high up if mm-hmm. you have never been at you know at elevation before yeah. at, at altitude. Um, I mean. Even mountains that looked massive from, from you know, ground level, right? Yeah. From from down in the valley, mm-hmm. they looked like minuscule from where we were. Like it yeah. was, we were just so high up. You know, the the clouds were very close to we were yeah. to where we were. Um, and so you know, we we keep trudging along. Um, a, a lot of the pitches. Um, given that Wyoming 
they get snow on you know upper upper regions of the mountain yeah. as most mountain ranges do but um tetons are definitely known for that given you know yeah. ski season's a very big thing in the winter mm-hmm. um are you climbing in the winter no we did not okay. but i'm just like, saying in in, <laughs> in in general this area is is well known for for its snow yeah. um so and you know the 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 sun was up and it started melting that that mountain yep. snow and a lot of the pitches had become wet with this freezing water yep. because of the melting snow and you know my my gloves weren't even staying dry my hands were freezing and you know it was day 14 out of a 15 day oh. trip that I went on and like mm-hmm. at this point I'm just basically physically drained right yeah um and so we are two ropes lengths from the summit, two mm-hmm. pitches, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm looking around and the sky's looking a bit gray, but I'm deciding to not say anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like I thought me saying anything would have influenced <laughs> it, right? That's how much I didn't know yeah. at this time, right? Um, so I was like, I see the gray, but it's probably not an issue because my mountain guide hasn't said anything about it yeah. yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, two pitches left. We end up running into another group who was right behind us. Mm-hmm. And the two mountain guides kind of like walked over to the side and they started talking to each other. Oh. And immediately, like yeah. I already knew, we weren't getting to the top. Yeah. Um, sure enough, they, you know, walk back over to us and say, you know, due to the storm clouds that are rolling in, we don't feel safe continuing our ascent. So we're going to we're going to turn around. We're going to go down. Yeah. I mean, I, to tell you I was disappointed is an understatement. I almost started crying. I was really trying to keep it together. Yeah. Um, and I just had this very, like, at first negative reaction because yeah. I was like, why do all of this to then have nothing to show for it? Yeah. Right? Um, and so, you know, they, they hooked me up to the rappel line. I rappel down. And as I'm rappelling down... I, I still realize how much fun I'm having mm-hmm. rappelling, right? And I'm just like, oh, this is fun. I still get to do this. And then I and then I realized why why am I discrediting everything that I've done mm-hmm. up into the point? Like, like why was summiting what was gonna make this trip, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I I I started to realize that everything that that led me up until you know, summoning or not summoning was still equally important and influential in my time. And I enjoyed it just as much. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yeah. And just, you know, in, in my rappelling down, I, my, my, my mindset kind of reshifted a little bit and it okay. was, uh, it, it was more centered around just feeling really blessed and appreciated and, uh, you know, uh, appreciative of the fact that I got to do this yeah. and that I, the, that I get to be out here and I get to be in nature and, you know, this, this experience kind of taught me you know this sounds really cliche but the importance of the journey right yeah, and it's definitely. it's not the destination and like yeah it would have been really cool to come home and say that I summoned the Grand Teton right at 16 but, yeah <laughs> right but but you know saying that kind of you know discounts everything else that was really really great and really mm-hmm. just you know special about my 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 time out there I think you know the the trip as a whole especially being on the Grand um kind of taught me about myself and yeah. you know my physical my mental limits you know mm-hmm. and just gave me a appreciation for um for for nature and you know my understanding that I'm not the most important thing out there right yeah, like definitely. like look how big these mountains are right like how could mm-hmm. I be important in the grand scheme of things right but then on the flip side the fact that I get to be here like how mm-hmm. important and cool is that yeah. right um and so it was just a very you know while it seemed initially like 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 a very 
you know, unfortunate bummer decision. It mm-hmm. ended up being something that um, kind of helped me reframe, you know, my my ethos and, and what I think is important. Um, and I, you know, I even wrote about this experience in my college essay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in my college essay, I wrote specifically about, you know, how it's how it's the journey, not the destination, you know. Yeah. Um, but since then, in reflecting on the story, it has, you know, just show me a lot more about about why not summoning was equally as important as summoning and honestly mm-hmm. more important right um yeah. and so i uh, yeah i think now this just give me an ex- gives me an excuse to go back and and yeah. do the whole thing over again and hopefully some at this time um and yeah, I just, you know, I respect the the mountain guides for making the appropriate yeah. decision. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a saying in optimism that, you know, going up the mountain is optional, but coming down is mandatory. Yeah. And if there is ever a spot where you were coming down from the mountain becomes something that can't happen anymore, you've, you've officially stepped over the line. Yeah. Um, and so I respect them as trip leaders for making the appropriate decision. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I learn a lot about myself and what's important to me. And so yeah. I think that was just... A, a really cool thing that happened to me and yeah. you know like I said at the time I was like this ridiculous like like it's literally yeah. right there like <laughs> like I can see the summit everyone else had summited except me and this other group um but I'm you know like now this gives me a reason to talk about it right and, yeah. I, and I have a story from it and I have lessons from it so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm grateful that it that it happened the way that it did yeah I'm also thankful. <laughs> I would not want you to get stuck. Up there. <laughs> Thanks, Carolyn. Yeah. You didn't know me at the point, but no, like, gosh. <laughs> I mean, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, I hadn't even started rock climbing yet because I don't, I started rock climbing in college. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I, I've always like loved Granted. One of my favorite video games, The Last of Us Part Two, like shows the valley of Granted. Like, and it's, oh, opening does it? Scene. Yeah. It's like the most beautiful That's thing really I've cool. ever seen. I yeah. have to show you it. Um, after we record mm-hmm. but it's such an iconic mountain range it's so, it's so recognizable beautiful and it's so like you like you like you said earlier like how minuscule it seems because like even like i realized this over the like apple like the trip that we went to on the appalachian trail like it you really it takes so like it ha- you have to be there in order to like physically see yeah like, the great it's so hard to talk about it and make it meaningful to other people right yeah <laughs> um definitely but i thought that was you know I can't imagine, like, especially at 16, like, I would have been complaining the whole time. No, like, 16-year-old <laughs> me, I would have been complaining the whole time. Um, and the fact that, like, you did zero training, like, ahead of time and that you still, like, you know, kept pushing and pushing and pushing and then all of a sudden had to face the reality mm-hmm. of, like, shit, now I got to go down now yeah. without even getting to the top. Yeah, I mean, um, it was almost, a, like, kind of a crash course on life a little bit, right? Like, I'm, well, yeah. I'm 16, I have this mm-hmm. very, you know, rose-colored glasses view of life, mm-hmm. and then, like, boom, something doesn't happen that you were, like, like truly hoping for. Like, I had, I had thought about this trip for six months. Like, yeah. that was that was going to be the highlight of the year, if not, mm-hmm. you know, my, my my teenage years. Yeah. Um, And then it just didn't happen. Yeah. Like, in the split of a second, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And so you know, understanding that, that life does not happen the way we want it to. And yeah. we can't do anything about it. And mm-hmm. it's how do you move from it and how do you re- reframe your mindset and your, you know, your, your, your thoughts about the event differently yeah. to, to learn something from it. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important to also have that maturity of like understanding like, like when you cannot go on mm-hmm. or it's going to compromise you. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite quotes is like, don't put yourself in situations that you can't get out of without mm-hmm. other people. For sure. Um, and you know, a lot of, unfortunately a lot of climbing accidents are caused by that. Um, 
So still, I hope you can go back. Thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have to get the gang. <laughs> we'll have to, and get we'll the gang. have to. You we'll have I, to go summit. You you and I talked about this. I was like, I really want to go climb Teton, and you were like, I've climbed. Teton. Uh, I've almost climbed Teton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you climb? Do you pronounce it Teton or Teton? Teton. I pronounce it Teton, but that's also like a Pennsylvania accent. Is that is it? Yeah, I just yeah. hadn't heard that before. That's no, so funny. it's because like we don't have like the ends of the. Um, all of our like ends with T's turn into D's, huh. so I say like Teton. Um, Down in Easton, PA. <laughs> it isn't all a PA. Like it's a Dutch PA. Like you, you, if you talk Pennsylvania to Pennsylvania Dutch, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. If you talk to any Pennsylvanian, like they'll always mention the thing of like dropping the the T's mm. and like anything that ends in like O N becomes like I N or E N. Um, but yeah. We'll, we'll, if you need a climbing partner for Grand Teton, you just let me know. I will let you know. I'll be around. <laughs> we might need to start calling it Teton. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's that's the criteria I'll to climb it, with me. <laughs> I'll, call it, I'll call it Teton if if we summit. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> fair. I mean, given that I haven't done that yet, I can't really talk. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, any other last thoughts? That's all I got. All right. Well, that's our episode for today. We talked about um, our spontaneous fun fact. What's our favorite book that we've read? We've talked about The Hardest Route in America, um, established by Seb Bouillon. Um, we that talked- was good French accent. <laughs> or maybe it was. I don't know. I don't Bouillon? speak French. I don't know. But you... Okay, fun fact. Before this episode, Emma was like, how do you pronounce it? Bouillon? I was like, I literally French? looked it up on Google. I was like, how to pronounce this French last name? And they were like, Bouillon. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> but yeah, we talked about um, eight-year-old Sam Adventure Baker, um, quote unquote, <laughs> quote unquote, attempt or quote unquote climbing El Cap. Um, no weekly accident for this week, and then we talked about our most impactful moments in climbing. So we hope to see you guys another time. Thank you so much for listening to Crag Gals. Um, if you're interested in any of the links or anything that we talked about in this episode, that is a resource. We'll put it down below. Um, Otherwise, check out our Instagram um, and our Twitter. Otherwise, keep on climbing. Keep on climbing. Woo!